We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty twenty three NFL food for thought. I can't believe we are here right now, early in the week. We are pre week one, and there is so much anticipation and drama building up here. Welcome back to Food for Thought. I am the Luce Justin Carlucci for another season. We got the green light. My good friend Will Priester, Chief Justice 06. It is so good to see you and hear you again. What's going on, brother? Nothing much, man. Glad to glad to come on. I, I didn't know if I was going to make this particular uh, segment this week because <clears throat> earlier today I was not feeling great. Um, it started yesterday, just felt really down. But, you know, I slept most of the day. Uh, we were going to record this a little bit earlier today. And I uh, went out. We didn't record it right at that time. Went out, got some soup, took some more meds. And what you hear right now, folks, is not what you would have heard. Uh, you know, even two hours ago. So glad to come on and uh, get food for thought injected into your veins. This ain't your mama's podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. So without further ado, we are off, sir. It, it's week one. I, I, I am excited. Um, I'm so excited. So excited. If we have a new listener, Chief, and I hope we do, and welcome if you're new, Tell them what they're in for. This isn't your typical, we're just going to pound analytics and DFS and betting into your brain. We're going to offer a lot, but we typically record this thing so early in the week that some of the bets are off when it comes to kind of telling you exactly what's going to happen at 105 p.m. Six and a half days away is an eternity in the NFL, my man. Yeah, for sure. I think what, you, what you'll get out of this podcast is a little bit of entertainment. Um, you'll get some hot takes. You'll get... Some cold takes every once in a while. Um, you, you'll probably get some a little bit of sports betting, a little bit of props, uh, some some DFS stuff. I'm going to go ahead and put this out there right now for the listeners. I am going to chase the Millie this year, so you know uh, that's something we'll be able to talk about as we come back around. And hopefully, when we do our week two pod, I would have already taken down the Millie, so the chase will be off <laughs> one week into this thing. I'm going to just, you know, call myself head chopper, just bank it week one, and then I'm, I'm good for the rest of the season. But um, it's, 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 it's a really good pod. Think about it like the barbershop, the family cookout, 
right? Sitting around the fire talking sports. That's what this is going to be like. But just a little, a little bit of elevation over that, right? We're going to give you, we're going to give you some nuggets. But think about it sitting, sitting at your uncle's house. You know, you got a brisket. You've been smoking this brisket for six hours, and now we're just, you know, sitting around talking sports. That's what you're going to get. We're place. like an advanced level of the of the cookout of the barber shop. It's, yes, we're like a notch above. You know, running into to one of your old friends at the bar who's just had their draft and they want to shove their fantasy team in your face. What do you think of my team? Hey, Luch, what do you think of my team? Man, I tell you what, when I when I go home and visit, sometimes I just can't even go out anywhere and they just want a small talk sports. I'm like, once in a while, can we just switch it up a little and talk about, and I don't, don't get me wrong, this is my life, which is why I want to switch gears once in a while. We like to be a little relatable on this pod. So at the end of it, we like to talk a little, uh, have a little story time and, and talk about some food, hence the food for thought. So uh, some relatable things happen in our lives or some funny stories and talk about some local food, maybe have some food debates, maybe have some fast food drafts uh, later in the season. Now that we have some video, I mean, maybe I, I just heard about that Chick-fil-A new sandwich, by the way. So maybe we can come on here and actually uh, try and eat some food once in a while and give a little review move over Portnoy. New sheriffs in town for some food reviews. I'm <laughs> not saying we're not saying, you know, we're going to be the, you know, the pizza, the pizza gods of the podcast, but uh, it'll be cool because we've had some really good, uh, some really good uh, back and forth with some listeners over the years. We talk about restaurants in different areas, like giving uh, shout outs to some local business owners and things like that. So uh, it'll be fun, but I personally cannot believe we are ready to rock and roll. Week one is here. And you know what? There's a game on Thursday. But before we get into that, uh, I guess we can get into our elephant in the room segment, uh, which is typically addressing the big storylines from the previous week. However, we had a full off season of drama uh, and a ton of things happening. So what do you think are some of the bigger storylines uh, or things you're looking forward to seeing unravel in week one? So, yeah, man, I, I, no surprise here for friends and family of the show, of the pod. You know, I got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. We can't start out food for thought without talking about A-Rod in New York with the Jets. Uh, should be revitalized, should have all the weapons he needs to be successful. Folks, we're going to find out quickly whether or not your good old friend Chief is right about Aaron Rodgers being the greatest game manager of all time. We're going to find out quickly. Open it up Monday night against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, Buffalo had, uh, you know, a season I, that I, I guess in their minds they probably could forget it. It was kind of Super Bowl or bust for them, I think. And that's how it's been the past couple seasons. And so to have this type of competition right out of the gate in the division Monday night, uh, I think this is very exciting. I think this is very uh, this is going to be a very interesting season for Aaron Rodgers because guess what, Lutz? There are no more excuses, right? We that, that we won't be able to blame him winning or not winning on Matt Lafleur. We won't be able to blame him winning or not winning on possibly not having the weapons. Aaron Rodgers has everything he needs to be successful. If this Jets team is not successful with Aaron Rodgers. You're going to hear from your good old friend Chief all season long. They better win, and they better win now. There's not a lot of room for error because, 
essentially the division in my mind is it's it's them or the Jets. If they don't win this division, they better get it to the playoffs. And if for some reason, now look, I'm going to be fair with Aaron Rodgers. Injuries can derail any operation in the NFL, right? A, a key piece gets hurt, something to that effect. I get it, right? But not only Luch does he have the offensive weapons, he has a defense on the other side that can that can go ball out against anyone. This Jets team better win football games or Aaron Rodgers is going to be revealed as the problem he always was. They're good enough to win, you would think, but with a game manager because they just had piss poor quarterback play before that. So I just I'm just already predicting and hearing all the excuses when January rolls around and they get knocked out in the first round. I, oh, you know, there's going to be something. I, okay, so I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate here. I'm throwing fuel onto the fire. But in a, in a, in a real angle here, I wonder what Robert Sala is thinking or like what, how he genuinely feels about all this because you and I both like him as a coach. We think he's a very good defensive-oriented coach. I don't think he drew up this plan. So, obviously, the quarterback position is so important in the NFL. I don't know if this was part of his potential vision or range of outcomes when he took the job. Whether he liked it or not, this is what happened. Zach Wilson didn't work out. Here comes Aaron Rodgers and half of the Green Bay Packers rosters with him. So, he kind of <laughs> just, you know, of course, like, if you're, like, I know you like to poo-poo on Aaron Rodgers, but if push came to shove, and you had limited available options, and Aaron Rodgers was one of three or four options, you'd probably take him when you have a bang-up defense and play the odds that he can go out there and perform. But maybe 10 years ago, do you think Robert Sala thought, thought when I become head coach, I'm going to get Aaron Rodgers in all of his baggage, even if it's 55-year-old Randall Cobb, even if Alan Lazar's got to come with him, the whole nine. I will give it to the Jets organization. They're kind of going as all-in as you can get in the NFL by making yeah. Aaron Rodgers happy bringing his quote-unquote weapons and going and get Dalvin Cook when Brees Hall's not 100%. Yes. But this might – basically what I'm getting at here is if this doesn't end well, it will end really poorly for Robert Salat. And this guy, you know, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well and this thing just spirals out of control or maybe he says, screw it, I'm not playing football next year, maybe Mr. Salah doesn't get another chance to be a head coach ever again. Maybe he gets the quick yank. If this thing goes poorly, as you said it could be, the New York media is not the Wisconsin media either, Chief. So no. let's, hope, let's hope for all parties involved that this thing works out at least to an extent. And, and let me say this. If you ask me today, because see, I'm a realist, Luch. I'm not going like, to lie to the people. I have, I've had my feelings about Aaron Rodgers, and I think I've been right. Like, if you look over over what we've been, I, I feel like I've been about as close to right on Aaron Rodgers as I can be. Here's what I will say as we as we button it up for Aaron Rodgers this, this, for this opening week. Is Aaron Rodgers better than Zach Wilson? Absolutely. If, I, if I'm the Jets, do I go out and, and get Aaron Rodgers if I've got the opportunity to? Um, probably for a in variety. that scenario, probably. Yeah, and that's yeah. probably there's yeah. a variety of reasons that I probably go out and do it. Ticket sales, uh, the splash of the media. It's all right. Like th- there's certain benefits that Aaron Rodgers being in a Jets uniform is going to be for the Jets at that stadium, right? So you know, is Aaron Rodgers a professional. Absolutely. Right. Like he's been around. They, 
Think Peyton Manning. Think Tom Brady. Think, you know, like guys that have been around the league. Drew Brees. Like, he's been around a long time, right? He understands the NFL. So that's that's never been my knock on Aaron Rodgers. My knock is he's had too much mouth for a lack of winning. And I'm, and I'm not talking about regular season winning. I'm talking about playoff winning, Super Bowl winning. Look, if you're going to be that guy, go be that guy. And I want to see him be that guy with the Jets. Luch, I'm just not sure he could actually be the guy that we think. I, and, and, and let me say this, and, I, I'll, and this will be my last thing. I think something you said is like really the, the biggest point of this whole conversation. The Jets don't need a superstar quarterback anyway. They just need someone to not turn the ball over. Right? It's, just it's keep the, the change moving. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be a superstar with the Jets. He pro- he had to probably be a superstar with Green Bay for them to have any type of chance to win. He doesn't have to do that with the Jets. So just go out and take care of the football, which he should. Like He's never had a turnover problem, right? So that's the thing. Aaron Rodgers never had a turnover problem. So that's already a step in the right direction for this organization. Zach Wilson was just out there throwing balls to the other team Every drive, like he's, he's not gonna, they, they won't have that problem. Picking up Dalvin Cook was another blessing for this team, right? Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to do much, but they have to win. And if he can't, because here's what's going to happen, Luke at some point, the ball is going to be in his hands for them to win, right? He's going to have to drive the ball down the field for them to win. Close game, that's when they're going to need Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to need him for all of these games. But for those moments, possibly Monday night against Buffalo, they may need him to carry this team, this offense, to win. And can he do it in those moments? That's what we need to know. That's what we need to know. I'm excited to see. I I really am. And you made a good point. He just has to be very good. Doesn't have to be spectacular. And there are very few quarterbacks or players in this league that can call shots of an organization. And make them, quote unquote, make moves. And he's one of them. And he got Correct. his guys. So yes. in one offseason, there is more pressure on the New York Jets to to basically, I would say, win the AFC than there is the Buffalo Bills, who've had this Josh Allen loaded roster and just can't get there. And the New York football giants in the state of New York, who made a big leap. The Jets are expected to make an even bigger one uh, for all parties and betting markets and everybody involved. And we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah. when, let's say, week eight rolls around. I can't Correct. wait to see what happens. Correct. Listen, I've got another uh, sneaky storyline that kind of hasn't been a storyline, but <clears throat> for all intents and purposes of our show, Luz, I think this is very important. And it might not seem important on the surface, but my prediction is by week, let's call it week eight, right? I think we're going to know a lot about the AFC. And and let let me tell you why I say that. The Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, the the Baltimore Ravens. This division, I think, is a lot closer than people think. Let me tell you why, Luke. This is the storyline I want to talk about. When Deshaun Watson was in Houston and he was playing full season, People were regarding him as one of the top quarterback options in the NFL. 
he goes through this huge scandal, right? I mean, he's out of, out of the league for a little while, didn't play a lot of football, and he comes back last season and plays a handful of games. Luch, this season, Deshaun Watson comes out of the gate as the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Full, full participant, right, in the offseason workouts, participant in preseason, in the facility, around the facility, around the guys, around the coaching staff, in the quarterback room, in the day-to-day grind of NFL football. I think people have forgotten how good Deshaun Watson was pre-scandal era. Luch, here's and once again, this is maybe a hot take right out of the gate. I think the Browns are going to be a problem and could possibly could possibly be in the running to win this division. And I don't think anybody's thinking about it because this, the last version of Deshaun Watson we saw was very mediocre. But this version of Deshaun Watson, I think we're going to get this season, is not – I think we're going to get closer to the Houston version than last year's version. And if so, they could very well cause serious problems in this division. Nick Chubb is still back. Amari Cooper is still there. Yes, I know the other receivers, you may not think about Donovan Peoples-Jones as a guy, but this is a guy that was catching a lot of balls last year flying down the field. They went out and got Elijah Moore, a guy that's going to be in the slot and catch a couple of these tough balls. Like, I think this season, and I, I do think that not having Kareem Hunt back may kind of change their, their, their rushing attack slightly, but even still, having Deshaun Watson in a full training camp, starting the season at the helm, I think this is going to bode well for the Browns, and I don't think anybody's thinking about it because they don't remember how good Deshaun Watson was prior to not playing in the NFL for a year and a half. I know you want to stay in that division. Good segue for me in something I want to talk about in terms of competitive divisions, but I'm going to stay right there with you. You make a really good point. Deshaun Watson's only 27. It's not like he's old and dusty. 27, Luke. The Browns, Nick Chubb still in his prime, bringing Elijah Moore, David Njoku, underrated, healthy. Yes. The defense. I think the Browns can win ugly, and they can also, if they can, if we know they can be competitive ugly, even when they were bad, when they were playing quarterback carousel and there was no Deshaun Watson, and then you had the, you know, the poor man's version of Deshaun Watson for the latter quarter of the season. You know, they were still kind of competitive being playing ugly. If they can score, uh, to a marginal effect of what they did last season, we're in for one hell of a division. And I know yes. you mentioned the Ravens, and we're going to get into the Ravens later too, but uh, they're going through a bunch of change as well. I don't want to spoil that conversation. Um, but we know the Ravens are going to be competitive. The Steel- the Steelers' hype train is is kind of like, and I like this team. I think it's just ever so slightly a little out of control. I love George Pickens. He's a freak of an athlete. Kenny Pickett has looked fantastic. Deontay Johnson's great. They revamped the offensive line, which was the biggest priority, and the defense is is pretty good and going to be competitive. Do I think that roster is leaps and bounds better than Cleveland? I don't. I think no. I think it's, the gap is much closer than you know the, the media wants to you know kind of label the Steelers as like almost this division favorite. I, I feel like they want to. I, I, they're not. Um, and the yeah. Steelers have a the Steelers have a good football team. Don't get me wrong, but I think I'm with you that this division is. 
one or two plays are going to determine an AFC North champion potentially. One or two plays potentially. Yeah. I, and I'm glad you said that, Luce, because I, I, as I was kind of looking over the landscape, right, and looking at the divisions, looking at the teams, looking at the players, looking at the coaching staff, it's like, well, wait a minute. This might very well be the toughest division in football again. And nobody's really talking about it. The Bengals, right? What a couple plays away from just I mean, this is a Super Bowl contender team. If Lamar Jackson's not hurt last season, the Ravens are Super Bowl contender. The Browns, and you talked about it. Jacoby Brissett had this team in a marginal winning capacity. Like, and then you've got the Steelers, obviously, Kenny Pickett's young. Um, you know, I know they started the season last year with, with Mitchell Trubisky and but, you know, I, I don't think enough can be said about uh, the Steelers and, and the job that their coach has done throughout the years. Like, as, as be- because the Steelers, the Steelers are like kind of what I, what I consider one of, one of America's teams. I'm not saying they're the Cowboys. I'm saying the Cowboys, the Steelers, those two teams, you know, the, the Giants, these, th- those are some of the old school teams, right? They've got fans that span history. Right, these are one of the historical teams of the league. I, I don't think enough can be said about what their coach has done. Right, and I like and I like the Steelers. He's, I do like the Steelers. He's been there a long time. Mm-hmm. He's weathered the storm with Ben. Yeah, right. Even when they've had bad rosters, he squeaked out five hundred seasons. They do have the pieces this season. Yeah, but once again, as you said, I don't. I, I think Cleveland's being overlooked because. Deshaun Watson is absolutely a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett right now. He, uh, in, in my, and let me say this, in my opinion, right? He's got more years under the belt. And if Deshaun Watson doesn't leave football for a year and a half, is he better than Joe Burrow? I'm saying, is he? I'm not saying he, I'm saying he was one of the upper echelon quarterbacks in the league. He, prior to him not playing for a year and a half. He's arguably the biggest X factor wild card in this whole yeah, was, puzzle we're trying to put together. It was him the- and Patrick Mahomes. Like, I think people forget that. It's <laughs> him and Patrick Mahomes for, for a good stretch there. And now you're saying suddenly, like, like, he's lost all of that? I don't think so. I think he just came in at an odd time, and he's with a new team, and he's trying to regroup. Well, that he won't have that problem this season. Here's my hot take. Deshaun Watson, from a fantasy perspective, was one of the highest-scoring quarterbacks week one. Let's go with that. That's my hot take. Top two, let's go top. No, let's go top three in quarterback fantasy scoring for Deshaun Watson week one. All that being said, I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams won the division, is what I'm getting at. Yes. You you yes. made you made a good point. Now, of course, if you're watching this video, you can see this Houston Oilers shirt I'm wearing. Um, but if you've also listened to me for the last X amount of years, whether it's on this pod with Chief or doing NBA morning grinds in the bubble and talking about everything under the sun and dishing out some really good stuff you know i'm not biased but i will tell you that the tennessee titans are going overlooked as much or if not more than the cleveland browns they added the guy who was catching those passes from deshaun watson and just because he went to the tennessee titans the media and everybody else wants to dismiss it and say that he's washed up deandre hopkins has some ball left and if you look at a lot of advanced you look at a bunch of advanced metrics and statistics. He led in a bunch of separation stats. Like, he balled out when he was on the field. Can you blame the guy for sitting out the last couple of weeks of this dumpster fire that the Cardinals got going on last I season? Can't. You can't. I can't. You can't. Look, 
here's the thing. I agree with you, Luke. I'm so glad. See, and this is why this is why this podcast is so unique because we're going to hit you with some of this stuff that's going to tie into the DFS, right? Because guess mm-hmm. what? If you haven't been following along, like how many times has DeAndre Hopkins been mentioned in the media since he signed with Tennessee? Not much. Not much. But prior to that, it was who's going to get D-Hop? Is it this team? Is it that team? Does he go to the Patriots? Does he go to Miami? Does he go, does he go to the Jets? Where's D-Hop going? D-Hop settles in with the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. Now, let, let's talk about that for, for a moment, Luce, because I do think, uh, and, and it's good to have some homerism on this show so you guys know we're real fans. Luce is a Titans fan, if you didn't know. But here's the deal. But when they stink, I will tell you when they stink. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the deal. This may, in fact, in the end, be the best place he could have gone. So, so hear, hear me out here. Going to Tennessee, you. he's the clear number one. There's no debate, right? He's the guy. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean he's going to get 30 million targets, but I'm saying he's the guy. Tannehill, when the game's on the line, we need to look for D-Hop. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But here's the other thing, Luke. I don't think enough can be said about what Derrick Henry should continue to do for this offense. I don't care what people say. When Derrick Henry is coming downhill, linebackers are still fearful. Safeties don't want anything to do with him. So you're telling me I'm going to get Derrick Henry, who's probably – one of the best running backs in football for the past three, four years. And now I've got DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers. This tandem should create all the offense they need. What that means is, once again, DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to get 15 targets a game. But with him on the outside, what is that going to do for Traylon Burks? Right? What what is that going to do for Derrick Henry? See, that's the thing. We're thinking about this just from the perspective of DeAndre Hopkins. But now when you've got a bonafide number one that you have to account for, are they just going to stick a DB on an island and say, hey, guard D-Hop will still stack the box on Derrick Henry? I think I think people are going to have to play the Titans differently. I don't think they can just scheme the box and try to load up on, on, Derrick, on King Henry because now Hopkins is going to keep the field honest. I'm with you, Luke. I think the hype train on Tennessee is probably a little low in a division that they could win. Listen, I'm, not expe- I'm not expecting the Colts to win I'm not, this division. I'm not saying Tennessee is going to go win 14 games, but what I'm saying is they're ha- they should win at worst three games between two against Houston and two against Indianapolis. Luke, in a they lo- should win in, the in- division, period. Whoa. Whoa. They should win the division. Hear, hear what Whoa. I'm saying. I did not expect you to come on this podcast and say hear, those hear, words to me right now. Hear, hear me out. Houston's got all night in my book division. now, buddy. Houston's not winning this division, and the Colts are definitely not winning this division, right? That leaves them and the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are the the Jaguars are the darling of this conference. But I, and I think Tennessee's better than Jacksonville right now. <sighs> It's there. I I don't know if I agree with that, but there are I, just. I'll let so, you finish, but I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell, tell you why. Tell me. I thought you were done. I am so sorry. As you were. So here's the thing. I like Trevor Lawrence, right? 
I, I like Trevor Lawrence. I don't love Trevor Lawrence just yet. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Travis Etienne, but I don't, I don't, I don't love Travis Etienne yet. The jury's still out on how Calvin Ridley's going to impact this offense. He looks good. Well, here's what I'm saying. We saw Calvin Ridley in Atlanta with Matt Ryan playing on the turf for half of his games. Negative game script almost all the time. Correct. 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 Now, he does have some other pieces. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, like those guys had tremendous seasons. They've got Evan Ingram. But once again, but once again, Luke, remember, these are guys that we like. We don't love these guys yet. Here's what I'm saying. Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins are proven commodities in this league. Do, do you get what I'm saying? I get nobody's, what you're saying. Nobody's don't, stacking the box for Don't, don't tell that to the public, but that's fine because they're plus 350 betting odds to win the division on DraftKings. But, and you know where my money is? You know where my money is? Yeah. For once, I don't know. I don't, I don't, okay. And, and, I, and I don't and I don't think Calvin really is going to garner island coverage. I mean, he looks. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I get it. They have so they have a ton of talent, though. It's a difference between having talent and bona fide stars. I didn't plan on arguing against you in this in this scenario, which is phenomenal. But the point I wanted to make is this is not a competitive division, and Tennessee is more competitive than the public is perceiving. It's not even close. So yes. Are the AFC North teams better on paper than Tennessee? Maybe, uh, most likely, at okay. least half of them. But let me let me do this. But my, if they all split ahead. games and beat up on each other, there's only seven teams to get in the playoffs. Strength of schedule. I can't put who's in front of the Tennessee Titans or the Jacksonville Jaguars four times a year. Let me do this to submit my point and my argument for Tennessee versus Jacksonville. The Pittsburgh Steelers have talent. They have zero bona fide stars. Would you, would you agree with they have talent? They don't have bona fide stars yet. On offense. C- correct. Correct. I'm, I'm talking about offensively. Clearly okay. we know Watt is a bona fide star. That's fair. But That's I'm fair. saying on offense, okay? Now I'm gonna go back to Cleveland. Deshaun Watson despite last year's performance, is still a bona fide star, and I'll let him prove me wrong this season. Nick Chubb is a bona fide star at the running back position. Amari Cooper is a bona fide star at the wide receiver position. They're in Cleveland, so we forget about them. We forget about Amari Cooper in, in with the Raiders. We forget about Amari Cooper with with the, the Cowboys. We forget about Deshaun Watson in uh, – in, uh, in Houston. And Nick Chubb just keeps running through the league with 1,000-plus yards every season, and it's like nobody's thinking about it. The, the Steelers don't have that. They've got talent. They don't have the stars. And that's how I feel about Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is not a star yet. Travis Aitken's not a star. He's not Derrick Henry. He's not Nick Chubb. Heck, he's not Austin Eckler. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm saying he's, there's a, it's a talented roster, but stars garner a different level of attention, and that's why, in my opinion, this might be the best Tennessee Titans team we've seen in three years. 
better than when they had this defense that was just wrecking everybody. This isn't, and man, I, I didn't expect us to talk about Tennessee so, so much, but this yeah. isn't this isn't like what do they call it? Uh, elaborate smash mouth football. This isn't that team. That those days are gone. Like Derrick Henry can still hit twelve hundred yards this season, and D Hop can have a thousand yards receiving. And if that happens, this team probably wins the division. Right, so Tennessee lost a lot in the latter half of the season. They lost almost two months straight to lose in a winner-take-all Week 18 game against Jacksonville with a, quarterback who, with a quarterback who they signed six days before the game in Josh Dobbs, and they lost on a borderline controversial Tom Brady tuck fumble. That's how well They didn't have Ryan Tannehill. They didn't have Ryan Tannehill. In fact, they didn't have a ton of players. The Titans used a good 80, portion of the defense was hurt. The Titans used 86 different bodies, which would have been an NFL record if they didn't shatter the record in 2021 by using 91 bodies. The Titans have been historically hurt for two seasons. It is such a what have you done for me league and society that no one wants to talk about Cleveland. Everyone's rating off Tennessee because they lost two months straight of football with nobody on their team and they lost a playing game to Jacksonville. But you, and you can and which which is beautiful in a sense that you can get Cleveland at four to one to win the division. You can get Tennessee at you know th- plus three fifty to win the division. Yes, Tennessee is healthy. They bring in DeAndre Hopkins. They thankfully lost offensive coordinator Todd Downing, who's with Aaron Rodgers in New York right now, which is so funny. Arthur Smith was so good with that Tennessee offense. We are only three seasons. Two, if you're being technical, removed from Ryan Tannehill throwing for 33 touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards. He had A.J. Brown. I get it. If A.J. Brown and Hopkins are on the field and they're healthy, I'm not talking about long-term, it's probably close. Yep, Maybe you want A.J. Brown by a nose at this point of his career. But Corey Davis was on the other side of, of A.J. Brown. Decent little career. He got paid so much money from being in this Titans offense he already retired before he's 30 years old. He got the bag from being the second fiddle in a Titans offense that no one would talk about when things are going right, that he's able to retire before 30. And now you got Traylon Burks, who's definitely ascending more than Corey Davis ever was, if he can stay healthy. So my case is that the Titans are healthy. You have Mike Rabel. They lost. They used <laughs> – ridiculous. They used 170 bodies in the last two seasons, pulling people off multiple practice squads. Uh, for the fact that they were even competitive uh, blows my mind. So you're going to see Tennessee you know, as healthy as can be. We're going to talk about a week one game with New Orleans pretty soon. We just covered two interesting divisional bets just days before the NFL that we both think are presenting uh, you know, some pretty serious value. And that wasn't on my script. My script was pretty vague. And I love where that conversation went, Chief. And, uh, you know, I'll be real with you. It, I'll tell you when the Titans stink, and sometimes they do, but I don't think it's now. They made the playoffs in three of the last five years and four of the last six. Got to stay healthy, though. It's a game of nutrition, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Anyway, Thursday night night football. Let's regroup here. Here we go. Here we go. Thursday night football. We got a banger. We should see some points. We didn't get to this storyline I want to talk about. It probably could be another hour-long podcast, but – 
this was the off seasons for holdouts. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of running back stuff. Obviously, the John Taylor situation. Josh Jacobs folded. Saquon Barkley folded like a lawn chair the day after he said "f the Giants." Just folded like a lawn chair and signed. You know, it's just bizarre stuff. Anyway, Chris Jones is holding out, and at this point, it's Monday, and he ain't playing at this point because this is basically oh, he's not like, playing. He, this is Wednesday of the game week. He is a, a Chris Jones loss or absence from that defense is detrimental to this Kansas City defense, Chief. That I think is probably a bigger storyline than, oh, Mahomes versus Goff. Let's see what happens. No, Chris Jones is huge for that team. Yeah, and that's why I didn't talk about that one because, we, folks, if you don't know, we try to play it out a little script here so we can, you know, kind of have some some flow to the show. And Chris Jones was definitely what I was going to talk about for the Thursday night game. Um, nice. Let me just say this. I think the Chris Jones absence is what's going to force this game to be an incredibly high score. I think I think the Detroit Lions are going to be able to run the ball. I think the Chiefs are going to have to score points if they want to win this game. This, this isn't going to be a 21-17 game. Now, we've got the total at 54-and-a-half. Looch, I think the Lions – so let me say this. I feel like the Lions have had – almost as equally big a hype train on the side of the NFC as the Jets have had for the AFC. For whatever reason, people are people think the Lions are for real. People think the Lions are, are going to win the division, Luch, by the way. Not people people think the Lions are going to win the division. I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I do think the Lions should, and I'm saying should make the playoffs. I think this game is going to have a lot to do with how they open up their season. They're on the road in Arrowhead, and they're not going to have the same defensive resistance that they would have had with Chris Jones. And another one of the defenders that they signed, but he's out for six games. Luke, this team has a shot to open up the season with a dub. And I think the way they do that, is by outscoring the Chiefs. Now, clearly they have to outscore the Chiefs. You're saying, well, Chief, that's obvious. Here's what I'm really saying. They won't have enough resistance, in my opinion, to not outscore the Chiefs. The Chiefs may, in fact, have to keep up. Here's the thing. I think it's going to take great game planning, Luke. If you give Patrick Mahomes the ball with two minutes left, you can probably about cancel it. You're going to lose the game. So you better make sure, and I'm saying this, every drive you better be scoring some points. I don't care if it's field goals, touchdowns, every drive, Luke, that would be if I'm Coach Campbell, I'm talking to Jared Goff, I'm saying, hey, Jared, no pressure. Every drive we need points. I'm not asking you to score a touchdown every drive. I'm asking you to score points. If we just keep scoring points, right, eventually we're going to mount up enough points to keep Kansas City, to get Kansas City off script, to make them have to play behind the eight ball. Now, Patrick Mahomes has been successful playing behind the eight ball, but my point is this team has had more hype this season than ever, and I think it's warranted because of how they finished last season. I think it's warranted because it looks like they believe in what they have. This team believes in Dan Campbell, and now they got to go out and prove that they can get it done. 
here's my hot take for this particular game. I think the Lions win this game Thursday night. And I only say that because I Chris Jones is not playing. And I know he's just one guy, but I think Jared Goff and this offense are going to have a chance to score at will. That's my hot take. I think the Lions beat the Chiefs on the road, despite Jared Goff's ability to not play well on the road historically. I think they went on the road here. In, in a close 34-31 game, Luch. 34-31. That's my call. You can get Detroit at plus 250 on the money line on Caesars. I'm using scores and odds where Chief and I both post some premium picks. We got like 40-some-odd experts over there. A lot of DFS guys from Roto Grinders and some of the other best cappers in the industry. And let me tell you, the squad, the squad's legit. And we have picks for for most games on every slate. I mean, just a ton of NFL picks up right now. We have five on the board for Thursday night so far. And uh, they just have some great tools at scores and odds. You can compare prices on every sports book right in front of your face. I'm looking at the different prices on eight different sports books right now, all on one screen. Uh, anyway, you talk about this game scoring points, and I think it's interesting. You know, if you ask me what, if, what side of the total I like, I, I don't, I'm, it just, it got bet up five points since the open, and I'm just a little uncomfortable at 54 and a half from 49 and a half. And I think a, an interesting point to make is, a lot of people look at money splits uh, and a lot of tools across the web just show you, you know, you look for discrepancy tickets to money, you know, for example, right now we're showing that uh, there's 68% of the bets on the over and 85% of the money. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's a good indicator. That means there is more money than bets. Uh, if you look at the Kansas city side, there's 32% of bets and only 15% of the money, AKA, you know, it, in just a vacuum, more more people throwing in five to ten dollar bets on this game, hitting the under, and there's just not a lot of money on the damn thing. There's more tickets uh, than the money on that side. However, however, chief, you got to think about when is that money coming in, right? I mean, this thing opened at forty nine and a half, and I'm looking at the scores and odds line movement here. And according to this, within the first f- almost five and a half hours of that line being open in May. That line moved three points from 49.5 to 52.5 in a couple of hours. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a tool that tells me that in front of me. But you know how much money was probably flying in right off the bat with guys who, with sharps and sharks who were waiting for this thing to open, that most of the handle could have been flying in within the first day of this game of the line being posted. So just kind of a disclaimer, if you never thought about it from that angle, you know, if anyone's newer to betting uh, and you know, that indicator, think about, well, when was the line moving in? Maybe the money was coming in at this point in time. So now that the game has, the line has been open for months, not just days or hours. It can be a little deceiving when you just start looking at uh, money and ticket data right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, Once again, Kansas City has proven that they can score without massive weapons. Basically, they just need Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, and a couple other guys to show up and be on offense, and they can score points, right? Like, Jarek McKinnon has had a revitalization to his career being in Kansas City, being kind of a Swiss Army knife running back. Travis Kelsey is who he is. 
is Kadarius Tony going to take the leap and be a guy this season? Probably. I'm, I'm going to say yes. He's in a he's in a, a genius offense, right? So Kadarius Tony should be able to get off this season. Um, is Sky Moore going to be a guy, right? Like maybe, but I think Kansas City is going to be fine in terms of scoring points. I just don't know if they're going to outscore Detroit in this game. And maybe, maybe I'm I'm too much on the Detroit hype train um, because once again, Luch, I'll, I'll say the same thing comparatively. Detroit has talent. They've got one bona fide star in Amon Ross St. Brown right now. They do have one. I'm, I'm still not going to consider Jared Goff a star, but getting Jameer Gibbs and having David Montgomery, like that should be enough with this running game. And that's the thing. Like it's Dan Campbell. Let me ask you this, Luke. Do you think Dan Campbell's smart enough to smell blood in the water and say, wait a minute, David, Jameer, you guys are going to carry us to the finish line as we, as we get down the stretch here, right? Second half, maybe they're up seven to 10 at some point, And they say, wait a minute, these guys can't stop the run. Let's get, let's go smash mouth football here, right? Suck them in with a little bit of play action, get another score. And Kansas City looks up and they're down 17 points in the third quarter. This is how I'm predicting this game will go because Chris Jones has that effect. Take Aaron Donald off of the Rams and see what happens to that defense. The run game numbers are insane. How much of a difference his presence makes. And that's a beautiful segue. I'm going to give the people what I have. I have two picks up for this game up at scores and odds. Uh, I posted one on Friday. And it's David Montgomery, over 47 and a half rushing yards. Uh, And right now, that line is gone. Uh, I don't see it at 47 and a half anywhere. 48 and a half on a couple books, 49 and a half on FanDuel, 50 and a half on points bet. So I feel really good about getting ahead of that line movement. And I think as we get closer to Thursday, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing gets steamed up a little bit more uh, with more concrete Chris Jones news or more uh, mainstream Chris Jones news potentially. Uh, but it's not even so much Dan Campbell. It's Ben Johnson, who's a smart dude. Uh, and Kansas City ranks 17th, just 17th, which is a little below average, and giving up 4.4 yards per rush last year. And most of that was with Chris Jones. So uh, I like Montgomery quite a bit. He was pretty solid at this number last season. Of course, change of scenery. But he hit over 47.5 in 9 of 12 games last season when he had at least 10 carries. Uh, And I'm not worried about that data being skewed because he had no more than 17 carries in any game. uh, And he only played 70% of the snaps in just seven games. So I really like this. I think they're going to pound the ball as much as they can in the first half. And uh, that's the perk of the premium picks on SAO. As soon as it picks up, like you're going to get it, you're going to get, you're going to get it. You're going to be able to log on and see what we're on. And uh, I feel good that I'm ahead of that movement. I do have one more pick, but I'm curious if you had anything, uh, that you were eyeing anything in the prize picks world, or are you looking at that Detroit six and a half? Uh, so for me, as crazy as this sounds, and as successful as I've been in in the, the industry, sometimes I like to get on stuff late. Like sometimes I like to let movements play out and and get a feel for how I think that game is going to go right and I always thought and I'm going back to your pick for Montgomery I always thought it was a little low I got in on with you right I got in on, on the Montgomery 
Uh, Jameer Gibbs was at 27 and a half at, at one point. Um, and so I got in on that, right? So, so some of these I, I got in early. Um, what, what I will say is, in terms of this game as a whole, I, I think for me taking Detroit at, at plus two fifty is is my my is the way I want to go. Overall, nice. I think Detroit's like going to win this game, and so I think that's where I'm going to going to plant my flag. Um, what a statement! What a statement game that would be, huh? Well, I, I think they need this game, Lutz. Like if they want to set up their season for success, the way I think the hype train has been for this team. So here's the thing. Kansas City could lose this game, and all they're going to say is, well, Chris Jones is out, egg on the face for Kansas City. They better bring Chris Jones back, blase, blase, right? Like, that's what they're going to say. If Detroit wins this game, I think I think Detroit needs this game more than Kansas City. And so I think they better go out and play like they need this game, and I think they're going to. Dan Campbell, like, so here's what I'm saying. This team has tasted success. And now I think they want success, right? It's kind of like grandma's lasagna. You you can crave the lasagna all you want. But grandma's lasagna doesn't come around all the time, Luke. Why? Because you don't live with grandma. So when you go visit grandma for Thanksgiving or Christmas or a birthday, that's the only time you get, get grandma's lasagna. It doesn't last forever, right? That's how I feel about Detroit. Very, very rarely has Detroit had windows in the NFL to win football games and be competitive. And this is grandma's lasagna for them this season. They've got a window to be competitive, win playoff games. Like the last most recent one they had was Matthew Stafford and Megatron. Now think about how long ago that was. Makes me feel old, buddy. Makes me feel Before old. that, it was Barry Sanders. You think know the, about how, how long ago that was. You know what they the don't thing get is, though? a lot of windows to win. You're right. The thing, the, the, they have some of these players. You know how you, you look at the NBA and, I don't know, let me think. You see a team like the Nuggets, for example. Here's a weird apples to oranges comparison. And you're like, wow. Any competitive championship caliber team would be lucky to have that role player. Bruce ba- Bruce Brown. Well, I'm not saying Bruce Brown is on the Lions, but what I'm saying is they have vets like Marvin Jones who aren't going to kill it. But who they're was not there gonna, when Megatron was there. But they're not going to fumble the bag. They have Josh Reynolds who's serviceable. Khalif Raymond just got extended, and he's suddenly a veteran in the league, and he also returns punts. So they have guys who have been there and aren't just going to you know do anything to lose you the game. They're going to go in there and do their job, and we'll see what happens when Jamison Williams hopefully comes back for this team uh, middle of the season to see what they got. But but before we get too carried away here, and we're going to jump into uh, some DFS talk, and we'll go position by position momentarily. Uh, my other pick was Skymore, and you mentioned him. Over 35 and a half receiving yards. I think that number's gone too. Uh, I, I got on that yesterday. And boy, I got it at 35 and a half and I'm seeing a 36 and a half on FanDuel, 38 and a half on BetMGM uh, and a couple of other sports books. But there's some unknown here and I really like it. I've seen nothing but positive uh, reports from uh, Chiefs camp and beat writers and even coach speak. Uh, Brett v- Brett Veach, the GM, said he's going to be an every down player. And listen, Sky Moore didn't play. Let's see. He didn't hit. 50% of snaps in any regular season game last year. 
but he's going to play. We're expecting him to play every down. Juju Smith-Schuster was there. He's not there anymore. Kadarius Tony's banged up. I just can't see him playing a majority of the game. Justin Ross and Richie James are going to be kind of reserve players. So uh, it seems like there's some rapport here with Patrick Mahomes and Sky Moore. Last year, the Lions led the league in yielding target share to wide receivers. So uh, I don't know how they funnel things, but the, clearly opposing offenses had no problem getting receivers the ball. So I'm not saying Sky Moore is going to go out there and be you know, Dwayne Bow if we're turning back the clock for Kansas City or or even Eddie Kennison. I'll take Eddie Kennison tomorrow. Oh, but man, we're going, we're going way back now. You like that? I, I yeah. think, you know, if you missed on this number, I think if FanDuel opens up some alt stuff and maybe you can parlay uh, Montgomery 40-plus rushing yards and Sky Moore 30-plus receiving yards and maybe get that at about even money, I think that's uh, a pretty strong wager for Thursday. So I think Sky Moore's going to get it done. I think we might not see a receiving line this low for him again if he produces. So I'm in. I like embracing the unknown. I know you're big on that too. Yeah. Um, before we get to position by position stuff, Ticketmaster. Of course, you need tickets. Trying to go to the game Thursday? Are you in Kansas City? Check out Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. Official marketplace of the NFL. Ticketmaster gives you more way to find seats. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview. You have the best view of those pivotal plays. Don't want to be stuck behind a pillar. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster lets you sell or transfer your tickets. Mobile tickets make getting in a game very easy. Don't want to be tailgating all morning and forget your hard copy stubs, and then you're out of luck. You've got to use that digital wallet. And, uh, you know, you get in there with a breeze. Customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. If you're a Chief and you're a Panthers fan, you're going to make your app blue and white. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. That's Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. It really is easy to use. It really is. I mean, just get on there. If you need tickets, check out Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. And just like that, we're going to talk a little bit of position by position stuff. Uh, DFS. Some of this stuff we talked about will apply. This is probably uh, the anomaly week where there's going to be chalk in places I I wouldn't expect. Um, and then there's going to be chalk in other, meaning high ownership on players um, that storylines and steam is just picking up and picking up and picking up. And that's going to leave some really interesting uh, tournament options in week one. I know you're really excited about opening week uh, for some of those reasons. I guess we can start with quarterback. I know you got a lot in your mind here. Let's hear it. Yeah, let me talk. Let's talk about that from a DFS perspective. Luch, as you know, I've already talked about my love for and affinity for Deshaun Watson this week. Uh, I, Deshaun Watson may be my one of my highest on quarterbacks, or not may, he is going to be one of my highest on quarterbacks. But Luch, this is a week for me. I don't have to be cute. I'm going to have exposure to all the big names. Lamar Jackson is going to get ownership for me. Deshaun Watson is going to get ownership for me. Uh, uh, Justin Fields is going to get ownership for me, right? Believe it or not, I'm going to have some Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Tua. Th- this is where I want to plant my flag. I don't have to get cute, right? Um, and I will trim that down a little bit. But what I'm looking for is who are the guys that I think are going to put up the points, right? That That's who are those guys? Well, Herbert's playing Miami, Tua, th- this Chargers-Miami game, by the way, is what I do want to talk about as we close out later on. Uh, 
But Herbert and Tua should have nice games. I think Russell Wilson, I think people are down on him because of last season. I think Sean Payton is going to have Russell Wilson fixed. We saw what he was able to do with Drew Brees when people were low on him coming over from the Chargers. Drew Brees' career was forever changed because of Sean Payton. If I think Russell Wilson is going to have a revitalization to his career this season. So these bigger names, I want to get in on those guys. But once again, I'm probably going to have way more exposure to the field with Deshaun Watson than anyone else, right? Because they're open this season. Not only lose do I expect them to play well, this game should be competitive, right? This should be a competitive game where points have to be scored for them to win. Yes, all I need, I just need Nick Chubb to not score three touchdowns. Yes, I know this. If 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 Deshaun can be as close as possible to the Houston version with the passing. I think we see Deshaun Watson. He's 7,400 on FanDuel, and I am mostly going to be playing on FanDuel this week. Luch, I think this is too low. Let me tell you why I think this is too low, and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Deshaun Watson is 7,400. Trevor Lawrence is 8K. Kirk Cousins is 7,500. Derek Carr is 7K. Brock Purdy is 6,900. Sam Howell is 7,100. Russell Wilson is 7,300. Tua, 7,700. Uh, Geno Smith, 7,200. Why am I handing out? Look, all of those are in the same price range as Deshaun. And, and in my opinion, Luce, maybe outside of Howell and some of the other guys, like Geno, people saw Geno have a good season last year. I think they're going to lean more towards Geno than Deshaun. People saw Tua have a good season last year. They're going to lean more towards Tua than Deshaun. Now, Russell Wilson had a terrible season, right? But So maybe they're about equal. But my point is that group of quarterback in that mid-7K range is just going to be spread all over the place. So I'm going to take a stand with Deshaun and, and, and plant my flag there because I believe he's going to be a top three quarterback fantasy point scorer this week. And, and if it- I'm right – then look out because that also point, means Amari Cooper has a good game. That is true. And at this point, you probably feel like if we get more of the old Deshaun, he's more talented than his peers in his price range. Correct. And and, and here's the other thing, Luce, that sometimes with week one, because here's the thing, with week one, we actually don't know anything. And I like to pray I on Love that. it. Love it. We like to pray on it. I don't actually know anything per se, but I have to take these stands. And here's why I'm taking this stand. If Deshaun Watson comes out, throws for, I'm going to be conservative, 280, three touchdowns, 20 yards rushing and a touchdown. Next week, he's 8,200. I've just missed out on the best week to play him, which was week one. He's, he's 7,400, as an example. He comes out and does it again. Before you know it, he's at, He's at uh, um, Lamar Jackson levels. He's at Jalen Hurts levels in terms of pricing. And now he's priced out of maybe me even wanting to consider playing him. So I want to get in on some of these guys week one when there's so much unknown and attack back. I agree. And he's 6K flat on DraftKings. So oh, my gosh. 
And I, I like a lot of the things you said. I like Lamar against Houston, obviously. And yes. the reason why we're able and willing to lean a little bit more in a DFS on this podcast than we will in future pods is we actually have some some models in front of us. We we know the schedules have been out. The pricing has been out for months. We don't always have this information when we record very early in the week. So as the season goes on, you'll probably hear us you know, talk more game to game, real life stuff, talk about maybe some more betting spreads. Maybe there's some early lines that opened up. Uh, because half the time we don't really have anything. Now we have some very, very, very early projected ownership uh, runs on Roto Grinders on DraftKings, and it looks like ownership's pretty spread out on DraftKings. The quarterback cheap, Sam Howell, big price difference there between major websites, only forty nine hundred on DK, and he looks like yeah. he's going to be the most popular quarterback. You know, when you play higher stakes, single entry stuff, you got to kind of bu- you know figuratively bump this ownership up even a little bit more because the field is sharper uh, and things get a little more. Uh, I guess uh, inflated. So you mentioned a lot of a lot of players, and you know, here's unbiased Luch coming in. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Trevor Lawrence. I think the Colts are a mess. We talked about that, and I think it's more so that there's not going to be a lot of continuity, continuity, and chain moving on offense for Indianapolis, which results in more stoppages and maybe more extra opportunities uh, than Jacksonville is typically accustomed to, and. Uh, their team total is 25 right now, a very healthy 25. There's still some unknown there with Calvin Ridley. Um, and I really like Lamar Jackson, and I don't know. I'm going to be doing some traveling this weekend uh, for a long weekend, so I'm probably only going to hand-build a couple of teams. And I'm telling you, Trevor Lawrence is going to be in one of them. And you might say, well, on the other side, Anthony Richardson, they're going to try to run the ball, and blah, blah, blah. That offensive line is not very good. They're going to try to run with Deion Jackson. They're going to make Anthony Richardson try to throw the ball. And I don't know how this is going to end. Last week, they had three active receivers on their roster. I saw they brought back Isaiah McKenzie, but it's not really a pace thing. There, there should be extra opportunities for this Jaguars offense in decent field position, I think. So I love Lawrence at 6,500 in the grand scheme of things here uh, for Jacksonville. Uh, you know, you, you can make a case for fields. I think that total in that Green Bay game might be a little bit low. I, I do obviously like Justin Fields. That Miami and Los Angeles game, you mentioned Tua and Herbert. I think if ownership might get out of control anywhere, it might be in that game because of the high total and the back and forth. But we'll get that. We'll get there um, once we close out the show. And uh, I know we did a lot of talking, so we'll try to move pretty quickly through the positions here. But I like Trevor Lawrence a lot. And if we're looking for another cheap contrarian op- option here, um, I like Gino. I mean, 6,100, also very cheap. Speaking of hot mess, there is a chance that the Rams just can't move the ball whatsoever. Cooper Cup, we know. We didn't even mention that storyline, but now we have an opportunity to. You have some very young, unproven receivers. Matt Stafford blatantly came out and said he can't connect with his team at all. So, you know, what does that say about what's going on in the locker room? Maybe McVay gives him a good couple of scripted drives. I know Seattle's defense isn't very good, so maybe there's a couple home run plays. But I think... It's just kind of it's screaming a Seattle spot here. Um, the line is five. It kind of reminds me of a dead line. Seattle's favored by five, and this the total's kind of low. I I just, you know, with, with JSN's status in question, maybe he doesn't play a ton. I don't know. We don't know yet. It's early. But, you know, if we know he's going to be limited, then, boy, give me some, like, condensed target tree of DK Metcalf and Lockett in this game when I don't think there's going to be many eyeballs on this team whatsoever on this slate. Uh, especially with that Miami LA game we talked about. So anything else about quarterback here? Or do you want to lead us into running back chief? Okay. I got one more sneaky quarterback this week. Okay. And I'm kind of going to parlay this into 
a handcuff situation. I actually think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be good this week. In this, in this game against Denver. Ooh. Um, J- Jimmy G is somebody we typically think about playing. But Jimmy G wasn't bad in San Francisco. And <clears throat> for whatever reason, you know, Josh McDaniels likes this guy. And, folks, Devontae Adams is still playing football. Josh Jacobs is back in the fold. You know, Austin Hooper's out there in uh, in in in, LA, in, uh, in Las Vegas. Looch, I I think Jimmy Jimmy G might actually be a good play this week. Like, is his position secure? Right, he doesn't have to look over his shoulder. I I, I like Jimmy G in this spot. Because like, I, like for large field Millie type tournament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not not single right. entry, obviously, but but right. large field. Because I think Denver's going to score some points. I, I haven't seen a Sean um, a Sean Payton offense not score points. So if you if you think this team isn't going to be able to move the ball, I think you're crazy. And I'm not saying you. I'm just saying figuratively speaking. I think this team is going to be able to move the ball, and if they're scoring points, the Raiders going to have to score points. I, I think Jimmy G. It's going to score some points this week. Now, once again, Deshaun Watts is my guy this week. Uh, I like him a ton. But if we're talking about going deep, deep Millie stuff, and, and for those of you that know, I am chasing the Millie this season. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to pool. 6,600 on FanDuel. 6,600. At that price, he could throw for 250 and two or three, and I'm fine. Right? Because that that's giving me the opportunity to play Devontae. That's giving me the opportunity to play um, – uh, King Henry. That's giving me the opportunity to play Tyreek Hill, some of these target monsters. That That's what it's going to do for me. So I, I'm just putting that out there. Jimmy G is sneaky for me this week. And uh, yeah, let's close it out there. That's why I respect the hell out of you. And I every week I'm so happy that you come on these airwaves in our first mega pod of the season. And you're like, I'm playing Jimmy Garoppolo, baby. Fire it up. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Running back. So there's four guys over 8K on DraftKings. Not sure what the FanDuel layout is, but they're Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, and, of course, Bijan Robinson. Only one of them is projected double-digit ownership as of now. And you got to check back with Roto Grinders throughout the week because the beautiful thing is about our site is we update ownership projections every day. uh, And when it's crunch time, you'll get multiple updates over the weekend and Sunday morning. See, I hand bu- made a couple handbills, did like my half-ass research kind of thing, and I was just so different than what we're projecting the field to do, which kind of got me thinking, wow, maybe this is a week, like you said, where I really want to dabble. And I'm looking at – I know Christian McCaffrey's talented. I know what his ceiling is. I don't know why he's pushing 20% against Pittsburgh when there's a billion options this week. Uh, I mean, maybe because it's Christian McCaffrey and we know he's healthy. But I was very surprised yeah. by that because there are a lot of options, especially in that six to seven K range here. That if the field wants to, you know, play a bunch of CMC on a full slate, no bye weeks, I will do my best to just take that and and go elsewhere. And one more tidbit, and I'll throw it over to you: is um, I'm cycling by projected ownership now on my screen, and of course this could change. But right now we have Jamal Williams at 5100 at almost 25% ownership on DK. And that will be a straight pass from me 
And I will just hope he doesn't get his 16 for 48 and dump in two one-yard touchdowns against the Titans, who had the best statistical run defense in football. I'm not just saying that because I'm like, oh, ho, the Titan fans here. But legit, they stop the run and make you throw. So if anything, you want to be on the Saints pass game, because you get some leverage there, first of all, if you think they're going to put up some points against Tennessee. But B, uh, Jamal Williams had a plethora of one-yard touchdown runs last year like we've never seen before in a Detroit uniform. If he does that and burns me, and I know he doesn't have to be amazing at 5,100 on DK, that's fine. But I'm not playing him at 25% ownership against the best run defense in football. I'll take my chances and and go anywhere else to be unique. So just by, you know, if that ownership kind of shakes out to be fairly accurate, just by not playing Jamal Williams or Christian McCaffrey, you're looking at a combined like 42% projected ownership between two running backs. I'm going elsewhere running back, Chief. Well, instead of me talking about the big guys at running back, I'm going to talk about some off-the-wall off the plays that I'm going to play at running back. And I'm not just playing them just because I'm chasing a millie. I'm playing them just, just based on how I'm deciphering the information, right? So out of Carolina, we've got Miles Sanders, which was another storyline that we didn't get to talk about. We're talking about it now because it's my team. Listen, folks, Bryce Young's a young quarterback. We're going to want to keep him out of harm's way as much as possible. I think Miles Sanders had a big, big game first, first, first uh, game in a, in a Panthers uniform. Got his money. We paid him the money to come on down to Carolina. He's going to get a chance to prove that he he's the guy, right? Uh, Chuba Hubbard's still there. Don't get me wrong, but Miles Sanders, I think he's, I think he should be equally as good. As some of these guys, I don't know what he is on DraftKings. He's, he's 6,900 on FanDuel. Once again, I'm mostly playing on FanDuel, so that's why I'm talking about that pricing. 6,900 loops for a guy that I think is going to be the, 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 I think he gets 70% of the snaps here for what it's worth. Young quarterback, I think he gets some dump downs. I think, you know, I think he picks up 15 to 18 carries here. I, I like Miles Sanders a lot. Another guy, and I didn't talk about this. I am not expecting Lamar Jackson to run as much as he has in years past. In years past. J.K. Dobbins, 6,500. This feels good to me against Houston. Uh, and and I, I, re- I, I really like Dobbins here. I think this is a good spot for him. Uh, last off the wall running back. And then we will get you out of here. One of these guys between Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson is going to have a day against Arizona. I don't know which one, but one of them, I said last one, that, that's kind of my tandem pick. This is my absolute last one. So I don't want to gloss over that. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. One of those guys I think has a day against Arizona. I'm with you. I, I think it's definitely viable. And since Brian Robinson is the let's give him the ball 15 times and he'll run straight north-south kind of guy in this potential positive game script, I think I'd rather have Robinson than chase the PPR guy. But then again, it's uh, Eric Benenemy's first year in Washington, and who knows how he's going to use these guys. I think Gibson has some interesting standalone value regardless of, yeah. of what we see happen. And the enemy the more- being there I think is interesting. That that's another under the radar oh, yeah. storyline. Oh yeah, the enemy is not against City. Now, now we know that we know that their head coach is a, an immaculate play caller. Don't get me wrong, but the enemy's been there. We're going to see how it works out with him leading the ship, calling the plays exclusively. Sam, how? Excuse my last running back. 
My last running back. I, I know you. I said it was Brian Robinson. This is my last sneaky running back. Real, I'm not talking about the big names here. Javante Williams. You like that game. You got an easy little stack there now. Listen, we've seen what Sean Payton has also been able to do with the running back position. Th- think about some of the running backs he's had at his disposal throughout his tenure there with the Saints. And think about how they've been used. Javante Williams was already catching passes out of the backfield last year. He's going to catch passes in this game, especially with some of their receivers being out and hurt. Javante Williams, Luch, might be one of my favorite running backs this week. I'm going to be well over the field on Javante Williams. I kind of want to double down on you uh, on that and – and go with Pirine. If you think there's some points in that game, obviously Javante, all reports are positive, but I do not think he's going to be the workhorse type guy, especially in week one. So I think Pirine kind of has the Gibson upside, depending on how the game flow is. And, you know, I'm sure you're playing the million. I'm sure you're going to have both of them. You just go into lineup HQ, make a build rule to make sure you don't have both of those running backs in the same lineup together and make sure they're included in your Raiders builds. I think. But here, here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, Luch. Sean Payton has shown us throughout the years how he likes to use his running backs. When Kamara was there, Kamara was, still wasn't exclusively the guy. Him and Mark Ingram shared snaps. So I don't – so what I'm saying is – I think Javante has serious upside here, and P. Ryan probably does too. But I, I feel like Javante is more the Kamara role, and maybe P. Ryan is the Ingram role. We'll see. TBD. Remember, we don't know anything this week, but I, I, I really like Javante. I, I like him a ton. I don't know. Just physically, I feel like maybe it's backwards. But then I don't know any. I don't know anything either. But I like that thought, and that's the kind of process that pays off once in a while. Uh, so I think it's really interesting. Listen, I need to circle back because I will eat a hat if J.K. Dobbins is 1%. We have him at 1% on draft. There's oh, no way. There is no way. And I think we're going to see that steam up. But it's very possible that everyone wants to go stars and scrubs because you have Deion Jackson for the Colts starting. You have a couple guys that are absolute minimum. Uh, we're getting a wide receiver. Elijah Moore's projected to carry almost 20%. So if everyone's oh, wow. going – if everyone's – you know, that's what we have so far. Again, this could change, but like, I want Ravens exposure. And if I, like, if I'm hand building eight to 10 teams or something like that on lineups, that I don't want Lamar. I'm definitely going to consider Dobbins. I know they vulture each other in the red zone, but you want to talk about a positive game script against a bad defense. Um, it, it's screaming JK Dobbins to me. I, I think he's a fantastic play. That was more of a holdout than he was injured kind of thing. Another guy looking for a little bit of money, I think a couple of weeks ago. So I, I do think he's really interesting. One more play I like, and again, uh, we're talking sub 5% here. And when I made some little hand builds, I was shocked. And uh, I was poo-pooing on this offense. Uh, but the defense on the other side isn't very good at all either. If this game is neutral for three quarters or so, or even a half, I like Cam Akers against Seattle. I like that little mini stack you can make if you don't want to go quarterback, You know, pairing with DK Metcalf on the other side. He was a workhorse when he had when he was back and healthy. I mean, he had plenty of opportunities, and I do think Seattle wins that game, and I do think they cover the spread. But I think Cam Akers gets the volume at sixty two hundred, 
Uh, maybe you, you walk into the two touchdown game with a little bit of variance. They could they could only score 14 points, but he might have both of the touchdowns. I mean, he's going to be featured without Cooper Cup. So I like Dobbins. I like Cam Akers. I like your um, Javante Williams call as well. And just for time purposes, I, I want to talk about receiver. Uh, and I'll throw it over to you first. Tyreek Hill and Elijah Moore, 8,200 and 3,800 are the two highest projected own wide receivers on Monday, very early in the week. Maybe there's some more merit to the public going stars and scrubs this week, Chief. What are you thinking about wide receiver here? Yeah, so, you know, once again, most of my wide receivers are going to kind of come out of these stacks that I'm, that I'm building. Um, you know, just in DFS, like, the stacks are going to be there. So, Terry McLaurin is a guy that I like this week, um, just in general. 6,900, number one guy, uh, should be able to get off here. Uh, you know, I already talked about how much I like this Browns offense. Amari Cooper, 6,700. Um, you know, he might he might actually be good leverage off of Elijah Moore. So I, I like I like Amari Cooper. Um, we talked about the Ravens offense. I'm not expecting Lamar to run a bunch, which is why I like J.K. Dobbins so much. But also, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, like he's got some weapons. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Nelson Aguilar is there. Devin Duvernay is still there. Mark Andrews. <clears throat> These this is the most weapons Lamar has had since he's been there. I don't see any reason for him to be running up and down the field. Like push the ball. You've got the guys that you need now. So I'm very interested in this offense. Uh, another offense that I really like this week um, that we, we haven't talked about, but as much as the the Vikings won all these close games last year, they should have any trouble week one against the Buccaneers. They, they shouldn't have any trouble. I mean, you talk about hefty totals. They've got a 25-point total too. Who, and who's rushing to play Kirk Cousins? Nobody. But everybody's going to be rushing to play Justin Jefferson. But Jordan Addison entered the chat. Jordan Addison has entered the chat. Yeah. Sneaky. 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 Absolutely. So that's what I'm saying. That's another, I feel like, underrated offense. And if you think the Vikings are still going to let up points, like I'm not the, I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are still very cheap on fan deal. Mike Evans is 6,500. Chris Godwin is 6,800. I won't be playing any Baker Mayfield, but I will have some Mike Evans and, and, and Chris Godwin. These guys are just too cheap for their upside. Now, clearly, they, they're going to need some type of substantial quarterback play to get it done. But Mike Evans has been a 1,000-yard receiver pretty much every season. I'm not, gonna, I'm not expecting him to drop off as much as people think. I, I'm just not. At 6,500, this is too cheap, I think. You know, you just hear within within the same breath in the same week. Uh, he has a little bit of a groin thing. Oh, he's probably going to leave after the season. He always has a groin or that's or an ankle or, or a hamstring. That's that's Mike Evans every season. I a couple of receivers sticking out to me. I mentioned Lawrence. We have Calvin Ridley at sub ten percent. Very fair, sixty five hundred. If they're going to have field position and multiple red zone looks. I mean, I think he has two touchdown upside. Your McLaurin call is interesting. I, we don't know how healthy he is, but that's keeping his ownership down. In the same breath, I, I would want to have my Jahan Dotson shares as well because I think Sam Howell's looked fantastic. He's my highest owned best ball player for what it's worth, Sam Howell. Uh, okay. But I do like Dotson on that side. We haven't really touched on that Green Bay-Chicago game, but I do really think there's going to be points there. Uh, Christian Watson's you know, kind of popping 6K. 
projected about 17% ownership right now. DJ Moore, easy stack. Uh, he'll be a little bit lower owned. I think that's interesting. I think, you know, I know we're going to save a, a couple minutes to talk about that Miami LA game uh, at the end. If we're going to save time for one game this week, I, I'd like it to be that one as well. And in future weeks, like I said, we'll m- be more going game by game than talking DFS because we won't have all of this info. But I, I we have Keenan Allen projected too low. He's healthy. He is a point per game monster when he's healthy. He's a PPR machine. We know the Chargers are going to throw the rock. We know Miami's back end of that defense is banged up. Uh, very healthy game total. Keenan Allen at that 7,300 range, it's kind of like, well, people are paying up for Tyreek or people are paying up for McCaffrey or they're going to go up and play Lamar. I just kind of think in that game environment, uh, or they're going to 5,700 for Mike Williams. I mean, let's be real. It's ridiculous. In the same breath, though, Keenan Allen could – damn well be that guy to catch 11 balls for a buck 30 and a score and i love the floor he gives you i think mike williams is a little more td dependent than probably keenan what keenan allen brings to the table here so uh, i do like keenan allen uh quite a bit i mean just so many options the last one i want to talk about is zay flowers you mentioned him he's 4k on DraftKings. we currently have him projected at one percent uh, just between him and Dobbins, I just I can't wrap my head around that being plausible by the time Sunday rolls around. But the 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 reports out of camp are just unbelievable. He looked great in preseason. Bateman might have a lingering thing. Beckham coming back from an injury, kind of by default. Like Zay Flowers should play a full complement of snaps here. He, it probably isn't a great comparison. He just reminds me of like a. I don't want to say a poor man's because I think he's extremely talented. An unproven, smaller. Uh, like kind of Tyreek, that Sandlot broken play, oh, I put on a dime. Desha- I thought you were going to say Deshaun Jackson for a oh, minute. That's a good one too. Maybe if they morphed into the same player, that's maybe, <laughs> I mean, he's small, you know, but yeah. like dude can break the slate. And if he's going to be sub 10%, like I'm going there and I'm not going Elijah Moore, no doubt about it. I know you like the Browns. I know Moore's going to be involved in your stacks, but dude, Zay Flowers, uh, come oh, on, no, no, no. Listen, and I'll tell everybody how I build, right? And I, and then maybe we can close out loose. I know we got to go, but yeah. I, and I tell people this on the Blitz Show as well, which is a little bit more applicable there. Here's how I go through all the quarterbacks that I like. I hand build about fifty lineups with those quarterbacks. Here's how I will do it: Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson, Donovan Peoples Jones. Deshaun Watson, Elijah Moore, Deshaun Watson, David Njoku. Then I'll go back. I'll say Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, uh, DPJ. Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore. Deshaun Watson, you know, Amari Cooper, David Njoku. And and I build it that way because, and, and I'll even include Cedric Tillman and David Bell, which are probably wasted lineups. But here's what I don't want to happen. Here's why I build this way, Luke. I hate it when I get it right, and then I end up getting it wrong. I don't want to miss out on that one stupid receiver that catches an 80-yard touchdown on a busted coverage like David Bell, who's in for 20% of the snaps, and something wonky happens, and he has that big touchdown, and I don't have him in my build, which is why I build that way. I can still get it from the main guy, and I'll also have some Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper. Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Donovan People. Why? Because with Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb, because of the rushing ability, 
Deshaun could very well have throw for 250, have two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, right? And Nick Chubb could still rush for 100 to have two rushing touchdowns, as an example. And, and so and so I get the highest upside from Chubb and Watson, and I still get exposure to the receivers, right? And so, yeah, it might feel counterproductive. I know I think that there's been some discussion about that, you know, over over time where, you know, back in the day, the only time you really needed to do that was Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and uh, Antonio Brown. If you ran that stat, you were going to crush almost every week because that was all the production. Well, it still happens from time to time with some of these teams. And so when I'm on a team that I'm stacking, I will always have a few stats with quarterback, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, type, because I want to make sure if this team goes off, I want the production. So anyway, just want to kind of put that out there. Just, you know, in case people didn't think about it that way, you know, I will hand build, you know, 50 teams or so to fit what I'm thinking. And then I'll use lineup HQ for the other hundred. It's kind of like MLB. Yeah. If you like the blue Jays, you're going to stay, you know, you want some Kiermaier exposure, even though he's right. not off going to be optimal more oftentimes than he isn't. But when he is, right. he, he's your 2% winner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know we didn't cover tight end or defense, but there's going to be a billion shows and, <laughs> and a million articles on Roto Grinders this week and check out the free discord. Yeah. To Roto Grinders premium members. Uh, you're missing. You got to get in there. Uh, so a ton of information. I have a feeling you'll be able uh, to cover tight end and defense. And I know you want to talk about that Miami uh, LA game. So pretty high total there. You're thinking this is the game, the stack. This is where some of the ownership's going to be. I, I think by the time Sunday rolls around, uh, this game feels like the game that everybody's going to going to plant their flag on. I mean, you got. Uh, top-tier quarterback play, and then you've also got top-tier receiver play. So, you know, you've got Tyreek Waddle, and then you've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the other side, and Tua and Herbert, who have some name value at quarterback. Um, so, for me, this feels like the game that could end up being the, the game stack of the week, if, if you will, right? Um, I'm not going to have as much exposure to this game in terms of a stack, I think, as the field, but I will have some because, once again, there's high quality uh, players in the, in this game on both sides, and so any game could flop. I'm actually not expecting this one to flop, um, but yeah, I, I think this is going to be the game that people try to stack up this week uh, for the win, and and and, and I, I feel pretty confident in that because you just got to look at the rest of the games that are on the slate, right? Carolina's playing the Falcons. Nobody's interested in that game but me. Um, and when I say interesting, I mean to watch it because I'm a fan. You've got the Texans at the Ravens. That game's going to be one-sided. They'll play Lamar in the game, but you're not going to play a lot of guys from Houston. You've got the Bengals and Browns, which I'm probably higher on than most in the industry, and I will be stacking this game up a ton, but that's not the industry game, right? You've got the, the Jaguars and the Colts, which is on paper is kind of a blah game. Yeah, you got Anthony Richardson. you got some value at running back because of Deion Jackson, but it's not exciting. You've got Tampa Bay at the Vikings, and I know we're just kind of talking through the game. But I'm saying all these games to make a make a case that the game of the week from a DFS perspective to me is Miami Chargers, is my, the Dolphins versus the Chargers. I think that's where everybody gets most of their game stacks from. And uh, I'm going to try to get the least amount of game stacks from that game, right? In fact, you know what, Luke? I may not stack it at all. 
I may just have some Tyreek with other stacks, some Keenan Allen with other stacks. I might just completely avoid this stack because it's week one and this is where everybody's going. We don't, we just kind of talked about how a lot of unknown in week one, but one thing you do know is maybe who's healthy. Uh, and oftentimes the most healthy a player is going to be is in week one. I'll take Raheem Mostert. There's no Jeff Wilson. Jonathan Taylor's not there. We've seen Mostert be pretty damn productive when he had opportunity and health. The Chargers are not a good run defense. So I am kind of drooling over Raheem Mostert from a tournament perspective in this game. Nothing wrong with anybody else in this game. Obviously a lot of high-end talent. He's not the guy you think of. There are a lot of mid-range RBs on this slate. Apparently people are going up to McCaffrey. Apparently some people are going down to Deion Jackson and company. I don't think people are rushing to play Raheem Mostert. But this should be a, a banger of a game environment. Uh, and, you know, if, if he's going to play two-thirds of the snaps um, and with a chain banged up, I think he's probably in line for that. He could you know, luck box into two scores. Um, you can make the same case for Jamal Williams, who's in a much worse matchup as he can for Raheem Mostert. Similar price range. And that per- 1% projected ownership I'm looking at for Raheem Mostert right now is probably because a lot of it's on Jamal Williams in the same price range. Maybe it evens out a little bit as we get closer to Sunday. But you get a terrible matchup with Jamal Williams. You get a, gr- a pretty damn good matchup with Raheem Mostert. I don't think he'll be 1%. I don't think Dobbins will be 1%. I don't think Zay Flowers will be 1%. But I sure as hell hope they are by Sunday because those are some of my guys. As long as I know they're not going to be straight chalk, uh, I'm cool with it. But I think you make a really good point. This should be the industry game. A lot of people are going to spend a lot of time on it. 425 window, right? You have that working for you, too. People want the 425 game, one of them, to get the late night action in there. So. Yeah, uh, really, really good point on that one, too. I know we kind of went long, but hey, it's week one. We had a, a full off season worth of stuff. And I feel like so much broke in the last three weeks that we were talking about more recent events than not. But we covered yeah. a hell of a lot of ground. That being said, I'm never going to shut anybody up without a story time. That's what our podcast is about. Do you have a story for me or do you have a GPP food of the day thought for me? Yeah, I do. Uh, and it's actually stemming from... <clears throat> be not feeling well like folks I, I talked about it pre-show or, or like at the onset of the show I was not feeling well at all but I think there's just something to be said about what chicken noodle soup can just do for you in terms of feeling better I uh I, I just I was just down in the doldrums Luch. but once again you know uh I went out I went to Panera Bread I grabbed some broccoli and cheddar soup chicken noodle soup Drunk some orange juice, took some meds, and man, you know, after that, I was feeling much, much better. And I'd already, I did have some soup earlier today as well, some chicken noodle soup earlier today, and I was feeling pretty good at that point. I slept most of the day today, but uh, I was just, I was thrilled to be able to uh, feel the effects of chicken noodle soup. It's incredible, and so uh, go out to Panera Bread and, and support. Support the soups, man. Support the soups. Well, you gave me a food. I'll give you a story. This is the first year I'm not the commissioner of my home auction league I've been running. 16-team league. Complicated complicated rules. Uh, been going since 2015. I just kind of felt like being a member. You know, I had someone else willing to take over. 
Um, and I'm not going to be there this year either for the draft. Me doing some traveling. Got to send the proxy, whatever. I had that planned out. You know, all my uh, loose ends are tied up. Got someone drafting for me, non-issue. But being a commissioner of a fantasy football league in this day and age is is a rough gig. One of, one of my uh, million dollar ideas were years ago to have like a nah, I don't care if anybody steals this. It's not going anywhere. Have like a commissioner.com domain name, uh, you know, or like a if forums, if forums, good old forums or message boards were still a thing, just a place where people who run leagues can t- toss ideas off each other or complain or tell their stories or get opinions. Cause it, without a doubt, I- I'm a big fan of getting your friends together. I know everybody has things going on. Kudos to those who you know, make their once a year commitment to go see your friends from home or college buddies or family and do a live draft in the basement or the backyard with a draft board. Um, no online lobby. Maybe you make some good homemade food. Everybody brings something. Maybe you get it catered. Maybe you order pizza. Maybe you get a keg of beer. I don't know. Whatever your camaraderie is, uh, it's just so important to have that togetherness. And while it does sound kind of silly and corny, those things bring people together and you know, there are people in some leagues I'm in that maybe I wouldn't talk to as much if it wasn't for having that common denominator of, of sharing a hobby or an interest. So uh, it never fails, though. I mean, last year, you know, I had a guy a week before the draft when I was running my league saying, oh, I can't make it. Like, you had three months to tell me you couldn't make it. You just can't make it. Uh, same thing happened in uh, another home league I'm in. Uh, it's been going on almost uh, 18 years, I think, now. The night before the draft. Oh, I can't make it. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, it's It's just... It's tough. It's a tough gig. So kudos to the commissioners making your season-long leagues happen. Uh, and a friend of mine texted me who runs the league. Uh, shout out to my my guy, Mark. Uh, he lives out in the Midwest. And he's I need your opinion. What would we do? What would you do in this situation? I'm like, I don't know if I can tell you what to do, but I want to hear your story of of your pain your pains of being a commissioner. He said, you know, there's a place for everything. You know, Mark's a big family guy, has a nice family, you know, loves kids, etc., and made it very, we make it very clear our draft isn't really like a, a time for kids, a kid-friendly thing. You know, you banter, you whatever. You know, it is what it is. So uh, a guy in Mark's league texts him two days before the draft and says, bad news, uh, you're going to have to deal with so-and-so's kids, my wife's kids or my girlfriend's kids or whatever. They have to come with me to the draft. And he's like, what do I tell this guy? You know, you know, I'm, I'm hosting the draft. You don't want to be that guy to be like, uh, you know, what do you, you know, you had months to line this up. What do you mean you can't find a sitter? Tough, tough, tough scenarios. You know, what do you do in a situation like that? You know, the guy for a year, this, that. No, you can't bring your kids. You know, then you're the, uh, I don't know. I was going to, I was going to say I frowned upon a word. Then you're that guy who sounds like, who's mean. <laughs> I just kept that as G rated as I could. I couldn't yeah. think of anything. <laughs> and he didn't want to be that guy. So, uh, tough situations, Chief. You, you do any uh, season long leagues or, or did you in the past with, with situations like that? I did. You know, with stuff like that. I did, but man, I'm I'm kind of done with season long outside of helping my, my son. Uh, my son's in a, in a little league with his friends, and so you know he's drafting every season now. Um, he's enjoying it. I, I'm trying to keep him, Luch. I'm trying to keep him away from prize picks and underdog. He he made a little account and it was like, hey, I was like, nope. I said, you made two hundred dollars. Get that money out of there right now. Like you're not. I'm not letting him go down this path until he's ready. Now, whenever he's ready, he can come hang out with me. I'll show him everything I know. But uh, for right now, I'm perfectly fine with him doing his season long, you know, with his buddies and leaving it there. So, so when is he ready? What when will you know? You're like the sensei, right? Like when do the training wheels come off? How do you know when he's ready? When he's 
uh, out of high school, and he's decided what what he wants to do with his life. That's fair. You see what I'm saying? I see if, what you're saying. You know, like we're not no, you're not you're not gonna do what I'm doing right now. You're gonna do that later. <laughs> you know. And, and heck, you know, may, maybe old dad will sponsor a bankroll for him. Maybe I'll get him started with a bankroll and, and show him the ropes. One day. One day. Not now. Not now. Definitely right, Chief. Not now. Where can the people find you on Twitter? Now you got a full week. And yeah, yeah, at ChiefJustice06 on Twitter.com. And uh, you can find me in Chief's Prop Shop in the Roto Grinders Discord. Um, and then you can just catch me all over Roto Grinders, man. And uh, let, let's win some money this week. Awesome, awesome. Roto Grinders, a lot of the same uh, guys and gals out there at Scores and Odds as well, giving out free picks. Awesome tools such as Parlay IQ if you're in the same game parlays. Um, check out Parlay IQ at Scores and Odds. And we got a new uh, a new props and pick them uh, package. See it right on the Roto Grinders homepage. Uh, so definitely check all that out. Two awesome companies. We're ready. We're ready to crush this season. And uh, we hope this was fun and helpful. A little bit of both. A little entertainment for you. We can't wait to be back here next week. Is that it, Chief? Are we out of here? Yeah, I am good to go, my brother. Enjoy week one, everybody. It's like a national holiday in my book anyway. We're starting off with Kansas City and Detroit. Chief thinks the Lions win. We'll be back here next week to talk about it. Good luck, everybody.